Hey guys, Zach here, and welcome to the Saffron Academy podcast. The objective of this podcast is to be an additional educational resource for our viewers. Saffron Finance does not endorse the viewpoints shared in these conversations, nor should this be construed as any kind of financial advice. But we are interested in giving exposure to a wide range of brilliant investors, developers, entrepreneurs, traders, and so much more. If you have an idea for a topic or particular guest, feel free to write into the show at dingo at saffron.finance. I hope you guys enjoy this, and we are looking forward to seeing what kind of value this provides. Today's guest is Hamza Khan, the head of DeFi over at Polygon. In this episode, we talk about how Hamza got his start in crypto, how he joined Polygon, his outlook for DeFi going forward, and a lot more. We had a great time recording this episode, and I hope you all enjoy it. Hey guys, so as you know, I'm here with Polygon's head of DeFi, Hamza Khan. Hamza, how you doing today? Thanks for uh, joining us on the show. Hey Zach, thanks for having me. Uh, doing good. Uh, doing good. What about you? I'm great, man. And listen, we're going to dive right into it. I'll start off with the same question we basically ask everybody, which is, how did you first start off in crypto? How did you hear about it? And tell us a little bit about your first experiences in the space. Yeah, for sure. So I, uh, I first heard about Bitcoin back in 2017 when I was in college. Uh, uh, I am a mechanical engineer by, by profession, so I... I went to engineering school. I was in my final year. I was taking computer classes and there somewhere, I don't remember how, to be honest, but some maybe I was in Dubai that time where I first heard about Bitcoin via some random article. And that's it. I think since then, uh, that's when I first heard. Uh, and, you know, like the how everyone starts, you buy some Bitcoin. I think at that, that time there was there were a lot of ICOs coming up. So, you know, you just get attracted to what's happening there. Although like not many, uh, not many worked out well, but I think Bitcoin, uh, that was the first time I heard about Bitcoin and then Ethereum and, you know, even Matic was there big, uh, big during that. It was not big, but yeah, it was the only Indian project. So it was big for us. Uh, so yeah, that was the first time I read uh, the Bitcoin white paper, didn't understand, read it multiple times. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much for with everyone. Huh. That's how you get into crypto. Um, and then, but then I think I left uh, during the crash. I mean, uh, like it was a stupid move. I would now, uh, looking back, uh, I missed. Uh, I, I just left. Bit uh, sorry, crypto. I stopped paying attention during 2019, 20, 20. I came back, but yeah, 2018, 19. I just left. Like I just didn't look into it. I was working with different jobs. I was working at startups. I made my own startup. So yeah, that time I left everything. I was not looking anything into Maker, Uniswap, all of these things that were happening. So yeah, then I came back in 2020. That's great. And uh, yeah, I'm right there with you, man. If any of our listeners remember, actually, I have kind of a similar story where that crash kind of pushed me away for a period of time. And I think people like you and I have that, I wouldn't say regret, but 
kind of that lesson we've learned and we've seen that opportunity we could have taken kind of pass us by. But now we know that that's a part of the crypto space. And, you know, I see a lot of people kind of undergoing a similar experience now with this current market. And, you know, hopefully not too many people are getting burned and leaving crypto. But, you know, volatility is simply part of the game in this sector. And I hope that people can see that and that they understand it's not so much price, but more the underlying technology of these protocols that give the projects and, and the space at large their staying power. And, you know, that actually kind of goes into the next question I have, which is, you know, when you started getting into crypto, were you sold on the technology? Like, did you know, hey, this blockchain technology has the potential to change the financial system? Or were you looking at it a little bit more like an investor, like, oh, hey, there's money to be made here? Uh, I mean, I was, I was, I don't know, like 18, 19, 17, something like that, 17, 18 back then. Uh, so not, not completely sold on the technology. But having said that, it, there was one thing that struck me uh, back then was, was that, you know, most of these technologies, these new things that come up, like genuine good things that come up are usually built on some previous uh, research. Like if you look at, uh, I mean, even look at Bitcoin, right? So Bitcoin, in essence, if you look at Bitcoin, the white paper, they had many references to previous, uh, you know, previous uh, stuff that had been done. So there was not much, although they did create this Nakamoto consensus and these things, some of the, uh, they combined a lot of uh, research to, into one product. But if you look at it that way, that there was not much uh, breakthrough in, a, in, they didn't create anything from scratch. I mean, I mean, certain things, of course, but they took in a lot of, uh, took in a lot of, um, what should I call it? Like, uh, took in a lot of research from other people who had done in cryptography, in economics, and it was not the first digital currency. There were other things that had been done. So once I read that thing, read that research paper, I looked into other, those references that is there on the last page. I looked into that and it, it made sense that, okay, the double spend problem, that's what they solved. Like the double spend problem, which, which is not really solved before that, but the underlying cryptography double, uh, uh, the, the cryptography uh, and and some consensus thing consensus mechanisms they were already designed uh, theoretically I mean theoretically they were designed uh, then I started looking into uh, into those boards that Satoshi was explaining uh, via uh, double elliptic cryptography these certain things that why uh, Bitcoin does it and why no no one else has done that when I was reading all of that like it somehow slowly steadily during that six months of that bull cycle from july i bought in july 2017 until november i think i didn't sell the top but but yeah near to the top was i think i sold it um and then i think then after that i started reading more about double spend and these things and it's sort of uh i stuck for the tech i i i, I stuck for the tech um uh, definitely <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think it was it was very uh, intriguing, for to say the least, especially the white paper, the the Bitcoin white paper. So yeah, 
I hope that makes sense. Oh yeah, no, definitely. It's like a good, good mix there, which I think is the case for, for a lot of people. And then, so going forward from there, just curious about how you came to Polygon because, you know, I think that it's such a, it's a specific problem that you guys are, are tackling over there at Polygon in the space. And just wondering how you went from kind of be, you know, dabbling in cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, et cetera, to finding yourself as the head of DeFi over at Polygon. So what was that kind of journey like? Yep. So uh, I, I, I had, like I said, I had heard about Matic uh, before like, so it was Polygon. I heard about Matic back in 2017 because it was the only Indian company uh, that was working in the blockchain. So naturally I was in college in India and that's when I first heard. Uh, but, but yeah, like I said, I didn't really catch up on the bear market. But then in 2020, when I first started looking back into Ethereum and certain things, I started, you know, like with like anyone like on Uniswap, uh, I moved first did some stuff on Uniswap. Back then I remember the ETH price was around 300, 250, 300. Yeah. Uh, around September, I believe, and uh, and that that was fine. Like it, the gas prices were low. This DeFi summer had just ended, so I didn't really know, you know, what had happened before. But going into December, uh, gas gas prices were shooting up. ETH, ETH mainly was shooting up, so consequently gas prices were high. And for like, I, I didn't have like a lot of capital. I come from a very um, low middle class background like i i started looking into like okay like i'd look into the fees.wtf page and i was like what the fuck seriously wtf what the hell is this i spent this much just trading like 50 per, i don't know 30 percent of my portfolio is like just on gas what the hell uh because i was trading like 100 dollars worth back then and 200 dollars worth i didn't know uh what, what the problem was and then when gas prices were hitting high and i was like holy shit this is bad this is bad. And luckily during that, uh, I was part of this hackathon. Uh, I was part of this hackathon that we were working on. Uh, me and my friends are working on and Matic is supposed to be the sponsor for that. And Matic sponsors a lot of uh, Polygon now. Sponsor, we have sponsored pretty much all of the hackathons. So that's when uh, we were. I got to know about Matic. I spoke to some of the folks uh, and happened to be that they were hiring aggressively because it was just about to rebrand and a lot of things were happening. I, I, didn't, even, I didn't even know that about the rebranding. Uh, so I joined Matic around that. Uh, I, I had some DeFi knowledge. So I, I, about Uniswap, Synthetics. Yeah, I think these two I knew back then. Uh, and then during that, I think uh, when I joined Polygon, Matic even then, and then, you know, the journey started uh about you know what what polygon is and they started reading more about actually blockchain uh i i didn't really get into the deep of blockchain like what exactly what are the consensus how blocks are produced like the polygon architecture i when i got in i started reading more so that kind of made sense you know why we need a low gas solution for DeFi to be truly scalable to you know the next million users the next million users won't come on Ethereum L1. That is for sure. Like there will be scaling solutions, layer twos like Arbitrum Optimism and of course Polygon. So we are also scaling up a lot of uh, ZK side of things. Um, and then, you know, SDK, with the Polygon SDK. So these things will allow 
teams and projects to build their own chain, to build on layer twos, to build on POS network, which currently is live. So yeah, that that made a lot of sense for retail. I mean, it has to be scalable. Any business that you do has to be scalable. And I think that's, that's what stuck. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that uh, the scalability is an issue that not necessarily everyone is aware of, but as we saw, you know, with this last kind of bull run with uh, Ethereum going up to 4,000, whatever it was, uh, was kind of a wake-up wake call to a lot of investors who, yes, at the time were probably doing well if they held, if they bought and held, but as they started making other transactions or maybe they were buying more or maybe they were staking, uh, you know, other ERC-20 tokens they were getting hit with gas fees that were, I don't know, $230, uh, probably upwards of there. Yes, upwards, upwards, upwards. Yeah, ex- yeah, upwards, right? Yeah, it was it was really crazy. Um, you know, and so unless you're trading uh, or, or really exchanging large sums, it wasn't worth it. And I think that that was kind of a huge wake-up call to a large portion of retail, at least certainly the new influx of people that we had that, Hey, there's a pretty big issue here. So I think it's great that you guys are, are working on that obviously, uh, because we don't want to pay gas fees that are in those, uh, higher triple digits, but yeah, I would love to hear just a little bit more. If you want to get a little bit more detailed, uh, just about, you know, the technologies that you guys have offered in the past or, plan to offer that improve blockchain performance sure so uh, so there are a couple of things here like um for okay for DeFi, uh you know like block so co- coming to the blockchain side of things like so we we currently do like a lot of transactions a lot of wallet users uh and these things are like we are doing like seven extra transactions uh, because there's very less gas uh, on Polygon as a scaling solution, but uh, but in terms of uh, in terms of blockchain, uh, so we so you do you want me to get into the architecture or like uh, what? Sorry, I didn't completely understand. Yeah, just uh, you know, if you want to explain to our listeners the way that you guys are able to improve upon that that blockchain performance and basically okay. tackle the the main issue of scalability got and it, get as, you know get as detailed or nitty-gritty as you want or you know you can keep it at a at a little bit more of a layman's perspective totally up to you i just want to make sure our listeners kind of have that grasp and understanding of what you guys are doing over at polygon to to attack that problem sure 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 makes sense so polygon uh, so the currently uh, polygon has like this uh, there are multiple solutions one is the plasma chain, one is the POS chain. Uh, I'll stick to the POS chain because it has most economic activity. So there are about 5 billion, if I'm not wrong, 5 billion uh, worth of uh, transactions, sorry, for PVN on, on the POS chain. And this POS chain architecture comprises of two, two layers. Uh, one is your bore, which is the block producer. Uh, so in any, any, uh, any, uh, any blockchain there there are two things so there is one block producer layer and there is the uh, there is a uh, there is a, a validation the fi- the final checkpointing layer which uh, which which is called hemdal 
which is the hemdal layer which uh, which has the finality the consensus finality uh, that allows uh, that allows uh, you know the validators that that are on ethereum so so our validators so we have about 100 validators so so any like coming i mean taking a step back before getting into the architecture so there are three things that any blockchain has to design with respect to one is the decentralization one is the security and one is the uh, speed like the ux uh, side of things so uh, the decentralization so of course any chain the i mean other than bitcoin that wants to that wants to compromise uh, on on uh, decentralization will get more uh, decentralization and security will get more uh, will get more ux in a sense that it will be more centralized but it will be quicker like you will re- require less uh, 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 what do i say like less less uh, finality sorry less commitments on every transaction so there will be less confirmations there will be less uh, yeah there will be less confirmations so less time taken for each validator to get into a consensus uh, now using that like uh, we have we designed our uh, decentralized so we don't have as many validators we have 100 validators it was 80 a, a couple of months back now it is 100 we are increasing it more uh, compared to ethereum i think which has like 5000 validators uh, so we have like 100 validators on that lie on ethereum uh, the contracts of all the validators lie on ethereum uh, staking uh, so is the pos network so it has staked about 1.52 billion dollars of matic and depends on the price but roughly it's 1.6 1.7 Uh, billion dollars at current price of matic tokens so uh, so that secures uh, all the economic activity that happens on polygon so if you look at like like a rough number so ethereum the beacon chain the pos chain which will happen will be securing about 800 billion dollar of assets with 20 billion dollars of uh, uh, 20 billion dollars of, uh, of of eth eth 2.0 like eth 2.0 stake so by that polygon by the staking mechanism it's pretty secure uh, so all the slashing checkpointing validation logic stays on ethereum which has our hemdal layer uh, and the hemdal layer like i said is a ten- is a tendermint consensus uh, mechanism which is and and uh, yeah it's, it's a tendermint consensus whereas the bore the bore means the block producer layer so every two so uh, the validators produce blocks every 2 seconds and these 2 seconds uh, so there every Uh, every 256 blocks we put a tree we put a merkle tree of these uh, blocks onto the onto the we, we we make a tree we take the root and put it on the uh, hemdal the checkpoint to hemdal which which you know which is what the finality uh, which allows finality according to the same way that ethereum works the longest chain uh, finality uh, that that's how like so so we the producer layer uh creates these different blocks whereas uh whereas since they are quick quick uh, quicker blocks like this 2 second blocks compared to 13 or 15 second on ethereum so there is there is there is a trade off with block time versus uh centralization which allows uh, which allows better ux like your your transaction if as a user if you put a transaction it's very likely your transaction will get into the mempool and then processed quicker as compared to ethereum so there's this uh, there's this trade off that we have taken for better ux and better thing but we are also in the process of changing a lot of architecture like the v3 of our of our uh, hemdal and bore uh, the the pos chain will be much uh, will be much towards decentralization and adding no 
adding newer validators and all these sort of things. That was a terrific answer, man. Uh, and I love all the detail you're giving us. Truly, uh, really cool stuff. And, you know, while we're talking about this, just getting a, a little bit more into DeFi, just wanted to hear your take on the concept of governance as a whole. Uh, more specifically, I know a lot of people think, you know, there's kind of conflicting takes on what the importance of governance is within the DeFi space, just because there are some people that kind of lean a little bit more cynical in terms of depending on the project or the protocol. Some people may feel that the governance tokens can be a cash grab, but at the same time, a lot of people, in fact, I think most people feel that governance is an integral part of what is a truly decentralized financial system. And that's kind of, you know, it's very important in terms of what makes DeFi DeFi, you know, and would just love to hear your take on that. And if you want to give us any information on governance in terms of Polygon's perspective on that concept as well, that would be awesome. I think our listeners would really love to hear that. Yes, no, that's, that's a good, uh, that's a good point. I think. Uh, definitely, it's, I mean, in, in recent uh, times, you know, certain projects have have faced some issues with the governance thing. But but I am totally of the of the uh, of the school that uh, you know governance tokens are are important because they keep. Uh, I mean, the distribution can be can be skewed towards uh, towards your investors or whatnot. Like if you're a VC VC back thing, that can be skewed. That's a different thing. But uh, governance. Uh, is is important. Governance is important in the sense that it allows the users uh, to have say in the in the protocol, have skin in the game, have uh, different sort of uh, voting power to change parameters, to change different different sort of things. Uh, how you distribute it, I think that is that is tricky. Yes. Uh, so certain projects have like the VCs and certain. Dele- I mean, delegation is a different thing, but certain VCs have have a lot of uh, a lot of power over over certain uh, over certain uh, certain say uh, certain uh, parameters and all of that. The proposals that come up, but but it's also on, on on like I don't have like much comment on that. But but it is also fair to see that you know those are the people who who uh, who want to who who have skin in the game in a sense that they are also very highly invested. In that protocol, but yeah, but coming back to Polygon, so we uh, like Matic token currently does not have a governance uh, governance part. Like there's no governance utility, uh, to be honest yet. But we are we are actively actively uh, uh, like very uh, actively working on uh, working on building a governance model that will help uh, you know, especially with the multi sig. So we have this uh, bridge multisig, which we want to. We are actively moving it into a, it into a most likely a compound time lock based governance. So, so yeah. Uh, so right now, like I said, we don't have governance. Uh, so it's currently con- currently uh, done by the Matic uh, found Polygon Foundation with with of course we have many community calls uh, and stuff. But in DeFi, but specifically towards DeFi, I think. Uh, definitely, I think governance should be there. 
it's it's just about distribution uh, that like you can have a fair distribution like you know wi-fi did or you can have a different thing like your what uni or uh, uh, compound or these tokens have so it is different like it's upon DeFi, but specifically towards polygon so we are not particularly DeFi. like we are a platform thing so uh, so matic uh, will definitely very soon have governance utility that people can use for that's awesome and such a terrific perspective you have on that and frankly i i actually really agree with a lot of what you said and i'm sure a lot of our listeners do as well now here's the thing i know you're the head of DeFi over at polygon but obviously it's not a DeFi only podcast as you know by now and i know you guys have recently announced polygon gaming studios and it seems like you're really going to be working towards kind of creating an nft ecosystem and using blockchain tech to improve the gaming experience really so can you tell us a little bit more about that sure 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 so polygon gaming studios is definitely one big thing uh, that the nft and gaming team is doing uh, because uh, because we we like even personally uh, i feel that you know uh, gaming will be very very big uh, in the near future uh, especially on chain gaming uh, bringing web 2 to web 3 uh, so polygon with its low gas fees and specifically we, with the sdk and all these uh, utilities that we have built so uh, polygon gaming studios uh, the idea with Poly- the objective with polygon gaming studios is to bring is to bring uh, web 2 gamers and gaming studios into web 3 uh, it might not be clear from the beginning because we want to keep it uh, we want to like so so look think of it this way like right? so if you look at a game correct so if you look at a game uh, people people play that game because it's interesting people don't care whether it is on unity whether it is unreal whether it is like no one cares uh, i mean other than the engineers uh, people don't care like gamers just want to just want low latency they want to make yeah. money if it is a yeah. play to one sort of thing or if it is you know collectibles like uh, world of warcraft or something uh, mm-hmm. So they want the dopamine hit and certain things like status uh, with the World of Warcraft uh, yeah. <laughs> legend stuff that you get. Uh, they can put on eBay and that sort of thing. So, so with that, you know, NFTs will be that uh, will be that collectible thing, which will actually have like a dollar value, and which will be unique, uh, unique to that, unique to you know every game, which can be traded on a certain marketplace like OpenSea or whatever. Uh, Having said that, I think uh, gaming, uh, Polygon Gaming Studios will play a major role in bringing uh, a lot of these things on uh, into the Polygon. It's a separate entity. It's a separate entity. Uh, it's not. It will not be uh, run by the Polygon team per se. It will be. It will be a separate entity. But yeah, the objective will be to to align this together. Awesome. And uh, this brings us to Saffron. After all, it is a Saffron Academy podcast. Just kind of generally, what was the beginning of that relationship like? How did it start? And just tell me a little bit about how our protocols are working together. Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, so I'll tell you, like, we, our, our goal with, uh, our goal with, uh, with, with, with with these DeFi for all initiative was to you know build the uh, get the building blocks uh, of DeFi onto Polygon because to bootstrap any uh, any 
DeFi system, there has to be certain uh, there has to be certain projects. There has to be certain uh, primitives, basically DeFi Legos, if I may call. You know, there has to be a big lending protocol. There has to be big decks. There has to be big. Uh, there has to be a big. Uh, you know, a stablecoin issuer. Certain these things are very very important. Otherwise, it does not make sense. Uh, you know, it just does, does not make sense. Uh, similarly, uh, there are uh, there are new primitives that are being built. You know, in the in the tranches in 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 tranches in uh, in in uh, what do you call uh, in in yeah mainly tranching risk risk uh, risk tokenization these things that is this is which is very important uh, which is very important so that that's why uh, we were looking into saffron mainly because because you because saffron did a did a pretty good job at you know tokenizing risk tokenizing like building tranches uh, all of these things, uh, even with DEXs and also with lending protocols. So we now have two lending protocols. We have Cream, we have uh, we have uh, we have of course Aave. We will also see soon uh, Compound. Uh, it's not public, but but yeah, like we're working very closely with the Compound team. Uh, so yeah, uh, so that's also being worked upon. Uh, so so yeah, like I think uh, Saffron. When we started speaking with Sai, uh, uh, it was very important, uh, you know, to get that right uh, relationship with uh, with the team and you know just help them in any like technical stuff or technical integration because layer twos can be a bit tricky uh, for like L one builders uh, how to process, uh, uh, how to move assets, how to uh, communicate between L one and L two and all those sort of things. So. So yeah, uh, that that was interesting conversations that we had, and I think it's pretty much towards the launch now. So I'm personally very looking looking forward uh, to this. We also have Rari Capital here. Uh, I mean, it's not Rari, so it's like a official official franchisee of Rari Protocol. Uh, so because because Saffron uses that uh, on L1, so you guys also have uh, another yield source on uh, on Polygon. So that will also be interesting to watch. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. I love that answer. So, as you stated before, I know Polygon isn't, you know, a DeFi protocol, uh, but at the same time, you are the head of DeFi over there. Um, so just kind of a general question in terms of the outlook of what you think the space is going to look like going forward, you know, as things start to scale, as we get Ethereum V2, um, you know, what do you think that the DeFi space is going to look like a few years into the future as we start to have some of those big things roll out that people are looking forward to. You know, for example, you know, I know a lot of people have said institutions are here or institutions are coming and making investments and making moves into the DeFi space. But obviously, there's still a lot of room for growth there. And there's still a lot of institutions that have you know, kind of one foot in, one foot out. And I just want, rather, I'm just wondering, you know, for you personally, what do you think that looks like a little bit down the road? Do you think we're going to see an explosion? Do you think we're going to see kind of a trickle-in effect of more institutional capital? Uh, do you think that all these, um, you know, kind of scaling issues that we're solving, are those going to create kind of a boom tell me what your outlook is 
sure so i personally think uh, projects like uh, you know compound treasury and ave pro uh, they have the power and the potential to bring uh, to bring a huge amount of capital into defi because they are the blue chips blue chip of the blue chips and and uh, with with certain yield with kyc and uh, you know like even even for us for us like defi people native defi people for us 4% is not big but for corporates and treasuries 4% is too is very high uh, on on their treasury yield on the on their corporate treasuries uh, which compound uh, compound treasury is trying to bring in then coinbase is trying to bring in uh, so definitely this would be very interesting uh, institution capital can finally we might see some of these uh, some of not big i don't see i don't uh, think big big uh, cap big project sorry big companies will allocate uh, funds at, at least now because it's still very like wild wild west right now uh, you know uh, but, but this at, the, at least in the stable coin side of things i definitely see very interesting things happening uh, very interesting things happening in terms of uh, compound cash and uh, com- compound treasury sorry and ave pro uh, mainly these two uh in terms of general architecture uh, sorry general overview of defi i personally uh think like uh derivatives would be very important we haven't seen the boom of on chain derivatives i even wrote an article sometime back around this uh, but we haven't seen uh the boom of derivatives uh really soon like tranches you guys have built uh then you know bandridge is there and and certain things are there but uh, but i i personally think uh there'll be still time uh for derivatives because because uh, because it could be possible that you know with layer 2s and scaling solutions like we we have the most number of uh, derivatives projects on across any chain like even we have more than ethereum and the reason i think is uh, i think we when we ask these builders the founders of these projects the developers uh they tell us that you know people are like in defi the the de- investors are not sophisticated enough to put a lot of capital on ethereum l1 uh, i mean they just don't understand derivatives as well uh, people understand yield farming people understand uh, yield uh, farming you know 1000 percent apy day one that's it uh, but derivatives like uh, like hedging properly hedging uh, and uh, and yeah these certain things uh i think will be possible with layer 2s when when uh, when these yield farming things uh saturate i i feel i feel then you know truly derivatives can pick up and hedging will happen and i think yearn and these auto these uh, these come sorry uh yield aggregators can plug in certain certain stuff so like if you are long if you want to hold uh eth then there can be a strategy with uh, like i'm just thinking like this was something i was thinking about yesterday in fact like you can put 100 dollars of i mean let's say you have 10 eth and you put it in uh, yearn vault there is a certain vault that automatically hedges your position as well like so you go long on eth uh, via one strategy uh, in that vault but you also have another vault another strategy that that uh, gets a put option on your eth so if it there's a downside you benefit from that and if, of course you're long on eth uh, but you hedge it with a with with a certain protocol let's say pods or or hedgeic or opine or whatever so something like that could be very interesting to see 
uh, with uh, with with yeah like like an investment investment bank uh, automatically allocating positions. So yeah, that that's just what what I feel. Uh, that's something very cool that we might see. Awesome, very cool. Another question, just kind of somewhat in that same vein, but since we just focused a little bit more on institutional capital, I'm wondering about retail, just because you know I think that obviously everyone's waiting for that institutional capital to continue to come in. But at the same time, historically, we've seen, you know, retail investors are, are really what moves this market, at least in in the uh, recent uh, past. And so what I'm wondering about is, uh, I, I saw this on some YouTube video or some podcast I, I was listening to, and they were talking about how, you know, particularly in this most recent kind of, uh, I wouldn't call it necessarily a crash, but pullback, correction, whatever you want to label it as, you know, there were a lot of liquidations and there were a lot of people getting burned. And that's because of the level of, you know, leverage uh, that the space has kind of developed into being able to offer. And so do you think that that's a good thing, a bad thing? Do you think that that should be regulated? Because you know, some of the takes I was seeing were kind of geared towards, hey, maybe, you know, 101 leverage, not the best thing in the world, because what we're doing is we're kind of burning people, they're losing their capital, they're going back to fiat land. And not only are they no longer partaking in crypto, DeFi, whatever it may be that they were investing in, not only they're not partaking in that, but now they've kind of, since they've been burned, they have a negative view on it. They have a bad taste in their mouth. They could be telling other people, hey, don't invest in this stuff. I got wrecked, whatever it is. You know, do you think that that's um, kind of a dangerous direction for us to be moving in? Or do you think that that's kind of a natural development of having a free market? You know, the fact that there's a demand for leverage like that, then it's always going to be provided. No, no, that that makes sense. Uh, no, no, I I hundred percent agree that you know hundred x and one twenty five x leverages uh, is, is is not sustainable. And actually, we saw I'm not sure if you saw, but yesterday or day before yesterday, uh, we I mean not we but FTX and Binance uh, capped it at twenty x. So all the leverages are only twenty x. At least at least that's what I saw. Uh, so twenty x leverage is the max. Uh, but even with 20x, right? So if if five percent goes up and down, uh, you are wrecked. Uh, you are wrecked, and you get liquidated. But but even that's that's a good uh, good move. But even like if you look at 20x, right? So I don't think um, I don't think uh, like the max level the the, the uh, 90 percentile uh, leverage would be uh, would be around 5x. So I don't think people. I read it also in many places. Uh, even the like SBF and uh, CZ they themselves are talking about like so. Most of like even ninety percentile of uh, of uh, leverage is around five to six x, uh, even three three to five x. Yeah. So uh, that I agree. Uh, like hundred x is is not good, and they stopped it. Uh, but but I think even more more than leverage, I would say these dog coins that came up you know that was that got retail in very quickly uh which which was 
I don't know if, if it was good or bad. I don't know. Uh, uh, in some ways, it was good. You can say that, you know, it got people on chain buying via trust wallet, via Huobi wallet and these things. And people got accustomed to certain of the certain infrastructure, uh, which is fine, which is a bull, bull case. But on the bear case, it's like people just want to want number to go up, which, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of like it's not sustainable. We know that. Uh, so I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, like retail, I mean, you're looking at numbers going down retail, uh, retail, uh, I mean, in general, like uh, volumes on exchanges and certain things going down. So I think like, it'll be some time, uh, until, until retail, at least in DeFi takes notice to be on that. That's my, my personal thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree with pretty much everything you said right there. And that's great that they capped it because I do think you're essentially luring people in and kind of preying on, uh, that, that gambling instinct. And, you know, at least for me personally, I can say that it's kind of cliche and kind of a meme, but you know, you have to at least partially be there for the technology. Uh, because if you want to gamble, you can just go to a casino, you know? Yes. Uh, so it is kind of, uh, I can see how a lot of people might be pushed away once they get super wrecked with that. But I can also see why they did it in the first place because, you know, you get those ideas of all this all this money you can make if something just moves a little bit. Yeah, but you don't see that kind of dark side of if it moves the opposite direction. So last question for you here. I don't want to take up your whole day. Obviously, it is a Saffron Academy podcast, as I've said before, and, you know, you work for Polygon, but, you know, we don't want to close off our podcast or our opinions to our listeners in terms of other projects that we might be excited about. So just curious if you have anything on your radar that you're excited about or maybe any new partnerships or anything like that that you think our uh, users should keep an eye on or anything you're just excited about in general uh, in the in the DeFi space going forward, yeah, I think derivatives. Like I said, I think derivatives will be very important. Uh, you know, swaps, like perps, and options, uh, both uh, will be very important uh, on chain. If we have to, if if this is, this is our belief that you know DeFi will be the disruptor for financial uh, for tradfi traditional finance, I think derivatives. I mean, if you look at the traditional markets. Uh, the biggest instruments are derivatives so anything any project that's working in that direction uh i i am personally like looking into into that um not not just for uh, investment or anything but just for you know learning how how things can be done the models uh, on chain how how they can be built so i think derivatives would be very important uh in the future and uh, and fixed yield like some of the things that you guys have been doing, uh, tranching with uh, senior tranche, junior tranche, uh, those things are what traditional finance uh, builds on. Uh, so that is also very interesting, I think. But other than that, like I think, um, I, I, other than that, I don't, I don't think like uh, yield farming and all that, like that's fine. It's it's up to a certain extent. Uh, but I think uh, I think algorithmic stable coins are still. Uh, like this, my uh, people will say that you know uh, it gets off peg and all of that, but it is a very difficult problem to solve. Yes, uh, it is a it's a generally difficult problem to solve. Like when Dai started off, it was 
it was uh, it was generally difficult uh, but but i think stable coins will be will be very important uh, in the in the near future uh, to bring in at least the tra- traditional finance and to decentralize certain things so uh, stable coins are, are any mechanism around that i mean it is very difficult we have seen many projects come up and die very soon but uh, but yeah i think just mechanism wise i think stable coins will be are a pretty interesting topic to to wrap your head around that is terrific hamza thank you so much for coming on the show i really appreciate it we love what you're doing over at polygon and are very excited about our partnership and go ahead say whatever uh, you want to uh to part to our listeners yeah thank, thanks for having me uh i really i really liked it of course like we're looking forward to um you know looking a uh, building together with saffron uh, which will be pretty cool like uh, it's a new primitive for the defi at polygon so definitely looking forward of course like all the listeners uh, if you're building anything uh, my dms are open uh, on uh, on twitter it is k h a m z a h 22 my handle you can find me uh, find me there uh, we have like a lot of grants a lot of grant programs happening around a uh, lot of hackathons that are happening around so if you're a builder irrespective of defi nft gaming or whatever uh, let us know we'll be happy to uh, help anything along the way so yeah thanks for having me again of course it was our pleasure and just want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Saffron Academy podcast. Again, that was Hamza Khan, the head of DeFi over at Polygon. I'm Zach over at Saffron, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to go and rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Saffron Finance underscore. We also have communities on Discord and Telegram, and you can find the links to those in the show notes. We'll see you guys next time.